Good morning, internet, or evening, or afternoon. Uh, it's just me today, John Michael Ryan, because Matt Richmond is on set. And uh, I don't know what episode number this is. We refuse to put episode numbers on anything, because why be predictable? Uh, I, I have the really lovely pleasure of inviting Muhammad Mastermind Austin, as I call him Mo, to the <laughs> podcast today, to the Hey Retriever podcast. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Mo. How are you? Man, I am great. I am great. Uh, it's, it's, it's an honor to be uh, sharing some space like this with, with people who have the ability to call me Mo. You know what I'm saying? This is true. I, <laughs> I, mean, I, I realize really cool people's way. names are, are, are definitely something where like they know you. They know mm-hmm. you as how they know you. And, mm-hmm. and I never thought about that until just this very moment. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the... That's, that's that's cool because that mean I that mean I get to be Mo. <laughs> well, as a person who people call JMR, I feel like names are interesting, right? Because everyone calls you something different, and then to you, you're just you. You're the version of you that you are to yourself. Yeah. yeah. And most of our conversations happen over lunch when we get to do them, and they're usually about how we're moving through life and how we're putting on different hats. And that brings me to my very first question for you, which is. What hats do you wear as as mastermind <laughs> as as Muhammad as Mo today? What what are your what are the hats you're wearing these days? Man, I wear I have a giant walk-in closet filled with hats. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, in a metaphorical sense, man, uh, the most important hat. Uh, ah, it's hard to separate from importance, right? Uh, but. Man, I, I think my most important hat is just the fact that I am Muhammad Austin. Like, just just like me. You know what I mean? Like, what I like, what I stand for, what I do, and X, Y, and Z. Um, and really getting to the center root of, uh, of just wearing that hat first. Wearing that suit. Um, but in general, um, I'm a husband. I'm a father. I am mastermind the uh man I could put a superhero tag on that name uh but we I, I do a lot I am I produce I mix I arrange inside of the music world um outside of that hat as mastermind then you got like Muhammad the producer like I, I've been producing since I was 12 so you, this is me when I go into the score world and um, mastermind who who scores or mastermind who is in the voiceover world or you got mastermind who is in the actual consulting world when it comes into like St. Louis City SC or, um, or even uh, Columbia Records uh, a couple of years ago and things of that nature. Um, then you got the gym. <laughs> it's... It's it's so many hats to where like re- respectfully I'm allowing myself to lose count the same way that you are kind of losing count with the days of the podcast to an extent of just like man I know that confidently I am wearing this bodysuit of me being me and creating and whenever it is necessary 
I'm either going to put a hat that's already been in my closet or I'm just going to create a new one very uh, slowly but surely and rock the hell out of it. I love that philosophy. <laughs> and I, I think that there's like this, there's this desire with as fast as things move and have been moving for the last decade. Everyone wants to know what hat are you wearing at all times. And there's a truth to that, right? The walk-in closet of hats, the walk-in closet of our identities. And, and it's not that we're different people at different times. It's rather that we're all of these people at all times. But, but the piece of, of you that people see is circumstantial. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's because you're working on a composition. Maybe it's because you're, you're at the stadium doing a piece. There's yeah. different versions of you that aren't unintentionally there. They're intentionally part of your presentation as a human being. But why should a person be one thing? Yeah. I, tell me about the gem, uh, because this is an audio only podcast by mm-hmm. choice, uh, not a vodcast. And, and the gem fascinates me because the gem is something special, I think, not only to you, but to, to our little industry and our little city. What is the gem? Yeah, man. Um, the GEM is the spot that, uh, that COVID kind of summoned, right? Like, this was. I needed a space to create, ultimately. It started off as a practice space. Um, naturally, when COVID hit, I was, I was rapping with my guy, Brian. Uh, at, at the time, you know, that was my LD. We, we had tours on deck. We had college tours. Like, it was, about, it was about to be pure open season. And, you know, naturally, uh, COVID hit, and he was like, bro, like, we still need to be practicing. I'm like, what What do you mean we still need to be practicing? The, the, the world is clearly ending, my guy. Like, it, it's over. I kid. Um, and uh, it was just like, yo, let's let's center ourselves and make sure that you always got a place to practice. Um, I, I, I had moved to the city. Um, and so I was looking for a place, man. I, I just drove around for a couple of days just looking at warehouses from a distance. And then eventually it was time to make that move, man. So we renovated this warehouse space that was pretty grungy as that deal. And it's really funny because I, I look back at videos of me looking at a place that looks like a crevice. And I'm visualizing. I'm like, yo, it's going to have AstroTurf on the ground. It's going to be a mural in here. It's going to be X, Y, and Z. And if you look at that room and you didn't know who I was from a distance, you're like, yo, this is a crazy man. Like, <laughs> what is going on? Long story short, though, man, like everything that I saw is now in here, and the community was myself believing in it, allowed the community to kind of help me magnetize it into existence. Um, you know, like, I think I sent a random video of me in this space to like people at Red Bull. It wasn't even the, like, I send real pictures to people, but like this time I sent a video of me like, hey, yo, very sporadically. And it was like, hey, yo, we believe in the vision. We can help out with this. Hey, yo, we can help out with X, Y, and Z or like tapping in with people like Javen Solomon who was like, hey, yo, I believe in the vision. I'm going to uh, help you create this mural here that is speaking. So I state all of that to the backing story of the gym. Because basically, at the end of the day, uh, it was a centered meeting point to get grounded with the idea of creating. And it magnetized, like how much that I believed in myself and I believed in it, 
it magnetized people to see that to life. And so in hindsight, this place, it was created with that energy. And I watch it exude that energy and everything else that it does. It has like a, a energy of its own, right? Like, so like pe- people have done album listening parties in this 360 square foot space. It's, it's pretty small, but its impact has been crazy. I, I've done a augmented reality concert here, uh, sponsored by Rebel. Um, we've done podcasts here. We had guided meditation instructors here. We had personal trainers here. Rare Radar had their podcasts here. At the end of the day, it was a center place for creatives to be able to create because for many of us, we are still seeking space and seeking a place to be comfortable enough to really be you outside of thinking that you have to put on a hat to fit into someone else's space. This is a place where you can take that hat off and just be and then honestly figure out what hat you want to put on your head just by getting centered in creativity. It's a really long spill, but ah, this is a really, 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 really special place. If you look at the world, right? The, at the time that you realized the space you know, needed to manifest and shape it, itself the way it has with you and all of the different people who are part of it, the world was isolated. And especially for the musical industry and for the creative industry, a lot of people were apart from one another. And, and I don't think had the same kind of community that was present prior to the pandemic. And so you, to me, it's been interesting to see the gem not only as, as, a, as an outlet for all these different hats and activities and entities that you just described, but as kind of like a fulcrum, right? Like everything came to this one point where it's like, oh, like it kind of almost, in my, my opinion, puts you as mastermind, as an artist into a different role, um, as a community leader in a different way. Um, it definitely does. And the wildest thing was that was I was not planning on creating the gym right now. You know what I mean? Like, I, I've, I've looked at my journals. There's mastermind and co, co-working centers. Like, there's the whole philosophy of it. But I'm like, not right now, right? And the only reason why I ended up populating now was that, one, just seeing how much that the community, like, poured into it, but seeing how much of a response how much that it was asking itself to exist. And it was like, well, I guess we're going to follow suit. You know what I mean? And uh, it's been allowing me to have a centered, it's, it's, just, it's been allowing me to provide those resources for, for other artists, whether that's space, whether that's like the homie. I mean, whether that's space, whether that's an artist who has been going through real life and they have they they've just been kind of flustered and confused. Like I've offered this space for artists to like legit do like some spiritual sabbaticals and just spend a night at the gym. I tell them don't let anyone into the space. Don't have any guests in the space. Like be there with yourself. Like it's 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 been allowing me to be able to to do the true to do what I feel like is maybe my favorite hat, but I don't even want to call it a hat. Um, but that's of like being able to be of service to others and being able to provide a platform. Um, like to an extent, I feel like that that is my body rather than a hat. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I don't know. Anything that I do, it all does that. It's just maybe there's an exchange for money or something. You know what I mean? But this this one is different. 
it's almost like there's the head and then there's the hat. The head is the thing that you always are. And the hat is like the execution of, of the activity or something. Because you're right. There's, there's parts of us that are that are who we are. And, and, and it feels weird to say that being uh, an upstanding human being is a hat. Like that's your, that's your skull. That should be your skull. You know, just make sure you change your socks. You have to. So, okay. So I typically ask, you know, what led you? So most of our conversations have been with people who um, come from the world of production. And your world of production is a little bit different. Uh, and, and when you say producer, it is different than what I maybe have, have spent the world learning as this is a producer. Uh, when you say producer, you're referring to music. Yes. When I said producer, I was referring to music at the time. But it, it, it's evolved beyond music. It's evolved to so much more than music. Yes. And, and which is the hindsight, like, with all of the different things that I've been doing, I, I've been really trying to just break down those terms, especially, like, learning more about the film industry and um, walking into walking into the metaphorical door of the production house of film and then just seeing the different roles that are happening. Like I, I first really noticed that when I did the uh when I did the shoot with uh for Square Up with uh with Mike and Dusty and honestly with Brute and Stroby, like that mm-hmm. was the whole gang there. You know what I'm saying? And so I got a chance to really see their worlds and see the different roles and what everything um how everyone works as for a how everyone works as a centered vessel and in the particular areas but it was it, it was it was helping me shape what i do from a centered direction and trying to understand of like you know the art of being a producer but one thing that i honestly would like to get some clarification on when you are a producer in the audio world like i feel like when you're a producer in the audio world you it's it's sometimes also equated to like being what is a director in the film world. Mm-hmm. And from what I'm noticing in the film world, being a producer is more like logistically bringing to, to life the vision. But it would seem that if if I were to view myself from the artist of Mastermind being the director... You know what I'm saying? And then my actions around it of how I bring to life the vision of who is Mastermind and who is this character, what does he stand for, what does he do? The actual moves that I do is producing. I think that's a huge distinction and it's one that I've never thought about because so traditionally, you look at a musician, they're almost at first an island, right? We're always part of our own little communities, but a musician has so much responsibility to do so much across the board that the term producer, whether for creating beats or for, for composing or for whatever, is is almost doesn't encapsulate the entirety of what you actually do. Because you're a producer, you're a director, you're you know, you're your own consultancy firm in so many ways until you start to grow and replace and, and, and add. Whereas in our world, yeah, I think that traditionally producer gets siloed into your logistics, your schedules, and your time focus, unless you're an executive producer or a creative producer, in which case, you know, we use the term creative producer a lot of times when there's not quite a director. And so you have somebody who's maybe line producing, but they're also running into a role of, but you need to run interviews or 
you need to help make creative decisions. Um, it, it seems to come in the territory that, you know, at the executive producer level, a lot of times, right, the ethos is that, oh, they're the money. <laughs> they're the ones who have the money to get things done, mm-hmm. but not necessarily the people whom you want to have creatively driving your project. So I, I think that that's some holdover from traditional film world that that brings and drags itself into the modern era, um, partly out of necessity to divide roles on set, but also because we just haven't quite better framed it. Because I would I would agree wholeheartedly with you. You are as much a director of your creative enterprise as you are a producer. In a way, you are your own co-producer and producer. But you're also you've grown and expanded that that hill team too. Very much so. So has has this always been this 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 focus on more than just the music, the community, and and the multidisciplinary components to who you are as a human? Has this always been a part of who you are, or did you kind of discover pieces of it along this journey to where we are today? I I'm discovering pieces and breadcrumbs. Uh, that has always been is, is, that has always been the case, and I've just never known. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's it's funny because it's like I didn't randomly stumble, or or I didn't just randomly make the intentive decision to do it that that type of way. Um, it was always a part of my DNA, but in hindsight, it was always a part of my DNA to an extent because I've always had that platform uh, to be able to create. And for many of us, I had the platform to be able to create slash put actions towards my dreams. And so many of us uh, as children, as you grow up, um, depending on what it is that you want to, uh, to seek, what it is that entertains your, your thoughts to just enter into a blissful flow state, either your parents are going to be like, yes, or either going to be like, no, or be, or, or, or just who knows, right? You know what I mean? But for me, I was in a center place to where my parents were the executive producers and they allowed me to entertain and slash empower me with the strength to be able to embark on bringing my vision to life. And so subconsciously, I've always served that for other people. Um, when I first started out, I was 12 and I'm over here producing for artists, people who have a vision, people who I believe in, I'm producing for them. But then I didn't even know that like at that time, that artist is like, man, I want the world to hear us. Like I want to figure this out. And I'm pushing them on their MySpace page and I'm logging into their MySpace page, downloading weird MySpace aggregates of like how to find new fans and how to send mass messages to them. I was super young. I had no idea. Um, And then in the same sentence, I'm working with the graphic designer to kind of really bring to life the uh, the graphic designer was my brother-in-law. Rest in peace to that beautiful man. Uh, I was bringing, I I was helping them bring, I was bringing to, I was bringing to life the vision that the artist wanted. You know, it's like the song is called Most Wanted in the Midwest. And like, you know, I wanted to represent just taking time, helping them bring those things to life. And this whole time, I never knew that that was what I was doing. Um, I was just like, I'm a beat maker. I make beats. You know, and then every time I would just wear one singular hat, it's like, no, I'm, I make beats. 
no, 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 no. I, I don't rap. I just make beats because I'm too afraid to to rap. And then I started rapping. And then I was like, I'm a rapper. I'm not a beat maker. I just want to. It was like center worlds of just like thinking that I need to put on one hat or maybe just not really understanding all that I'm doing. Um, but and then I also will say this, too, because, wow, everything has always been like that. It's crazy um, because I was a part of this really amazing super group called MME. To the mother of love and death of me, shout out to them. Um, damn, man, my peoples. Um, it was like six, six of us at times, maybe like seven, all centered artists who were passionate. Um, and if we keep it a buck, um, unbiasedly, some of those artists are like, I feel like some of the most talented artists in the world. And I can say I feel like, but I have people who can vouch and I can play something for other people, and I feel like they would confidently vouch. So long story short, I'm with these amazing people, but I'm an artist and I'm a producer. But slowly but surely, I began to wear the hats to just help bring to life everyone's visions. I'd be recording everyone's music. Like I would stop writing my verse, stop producing the beat just to load up the Pro Tools and record all five of everybody and then get back to me being the artist and the producer. You know what I mean? And But then from there, I ran into the same thing of like, well, we're a group or everyone's dropping solo albums. They want to figure out how to bring it to life. You know what I mean? And so it's like, yo, um, I've been saving up some extra cash from, from, uh, from selling my own CDs or doing uh, music licensing stuff that I was doing at an early age. I'm like, hey, yo, bro, here's a grand for your CDs. Go get them pressed up. We're going to go get to so-and-so. Like, I've always been doing those things, but they've been out of... It's been less out of like wearing a hat, but it's been out of like just truly extending and being that platform that was always given to me. As you talk about that, it's interesting because it brings to mind for me the MVCO, like Mastermind and Company. You know, yeah. the the company not only describes people who are with you, but also the different parts of you that service so many different elements of an artist's journey or a project's needs. Talk to me about MVCO. Talk to me about about building it. Man, you know what's crazy? Shout out to Envy Code because I be wanting to put more intensive energy behind like creating Envy Code. Like, oh, I have an Envy Code website that breaks down every single thing. And uh, just sometimes, I, for some odd reason, I, I stream away. Um, but it's an entity that exists with the people who work inside of it. Um, in, in, in hindsight, it ends up being a ship slash vessel for everyone to get closer towards their dreams in the midst of helping bring to life the vision of mastermind. That's like what it started. So, you know, like in hindsight, it started off uh, like there was me and my sister who was my manager, you know, and um, as she poured into that world, it also gave her the grounding and footing for the places that she wanted to do in her life. And allowed her to be able to convert that into um, beautiful paying job opportunities and, and, uh, and other things for her to to kind of accelerate that path of growth. Um, every one thing I can vouch is like every person who has been inside of Envico, they the the beautiful part about it is that no one stays for long, and that to an extent is my intentive goal. I kind of just really intend for it to be like 
Everyone's like Lego blocks. Like when it's time for you and you can plug in and it can benefit the maximum amount of your life, plug in. And when it's time to disconnect because you've been able to get what you also need to grow, do your thing. And then the next person can do the same thing and grow. But it's it's it's, it's people like my boy, uh, my boy Zaid, um, who started off in Envico as like merchandise manager. But while he was being a merchandise manager and we were touring across the country, he also was developing his app called Yo DJ. And so he was able to, every show, he was able to go talk to every DJ and every person and every little thing and do field research for like almost two years. And it allowed him to like accelerate the process of creating his app. Um, and it's doing amazingly well. It's like everybody has those bits and pieces. I feel like I got like 20 more testimonial stories, but um, basically though, it's, it's, it, it collectively brings, brings to life the ship of mastermind. But then after that, it, it hit a shift to where I was, to where mastermind was bringing to life visions of other people um, and utilizing my team to help do that. Like I, I spent a stint with uh, Columbia Records where they, uh, they hired me to consult for artists here in St. Louis who were signed and just wanted to make sure that they had a true organic process, a homegrown process. You know, they're like, we can throw money at this artist, but how do we actually make them, how do we not skip a step and really get them inside of their community as we break this artist with the giant budgets that we have? To, to St. Louis City SC. I feel like I could talk very long about this subject, but yeah. So talk to me a little bit about this world right now with the soccer team and how, how Mastermind, is, how you as this, is this, is this artist, as this creator, as this producer, as this entrepreneur, find yet another hat to, ev- to evolve into and one that I'm incredibly proud of because you're, you're my voice. Now you're the voice of my interests and my passions for for my own love of football, right? Tell me about this and how how is this going? What is this whole journey? Yes, sir. Yeah, man. Um, Mastermind Muhammad Mastermind Austin is the director of musical experience for St. Louis City SC. Um, respectfully, I'm proud to state that this is a position that um I pitched. This is a position that I studied. This is the position that I created and brought to St. Louis City SC to, to, um, to help and to assist with the grand vision of being able to exemplify and embody the spirit of St. Louis on a global scale. Um, and it's, it's really special because what you have is a moment to where, you know, uh, it's billion-dollar franchise who is really truly able to organically tap into their community and trust and then also empower um, someone like Mastermind to create the actual musical philosophy for years to come. And this isn't Mastermind, the hip-hop artist making playlists, you know what I mean? Like some news articles say, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> you know what I mean? But this is legit from a, um, a, it's in the title, director 
a musical experience. When you look at Europe and you look at clubs in, in London and you look at not only the tracks and the songs that play in stadiums, but the 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 ethos surrounding the supporting clubs and, and, and the firms and all these, you know, not call them firms anymore, but all these, all this history is 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 wrought into these neighborhoods for, for mm-hmm. decades upon decades upon decades. And it's as much a smell of the, the sausage stand as it is, you know, the, the sounds that play through the stadium. It's a huge part of football culture. Yeah. Which is what you're bringing to us here in a unique way. And I, mm-hmm. I think as, as one more facet of the, of the way that you produce and curate experiences. Yes. I'm excited for this one. Thank you, man. And, and, and you're absolutely right because it's always been a part of the experience, right? And the standpoint is that I feel like, in general, uh, with this position being honestly like one of the first in the MLS, to, to be honest, this is the first position like this in the MLS. And it's, it's going to help allow us to refine and reshape the importance of music and how you can direct it to have your target audience or just to have your yeah to to have your target audience to be affected the way you want them to be affected to allow them to witness and experience who you are what you represent and how you all do it in a way that was skillfully intended so when that person walks up well no no so when that person thinks about the stadium they think and they hear a commonality, a language, a heart, a hustle, a spirit that woos them into going to the stadium. And so as you walk into the stadium, then you hear music from the outside that makes you be like, man, let me put a little pep in my step real quick because it sounds like it is calling me in. It sounds inviting. You know what I mean? Like you, you hear music there. And if it's programmed in the right way, it's either going to be like, is there a rave going on? Or is, is there a, a mashing party going on outside? Or is, is there something that is calling me to be here? So you invite them, you bring them in, and, you know, you, you don't necessarily have like a full-fledged party before the game, right? The game is the party. So these are all thoughts to be able to woo someone's energy directly to guide them from being online to walking up to the stadium, to being primed as they're in the concourse, getting prepped to their seats, to sitting in the seat and now watching the final part of the plot of the movie. You know what I mean? It's like those are that if you do it in the right way, then you have more asses glued in seats properly. And when they leave, they're going to be like, hey, it's some glue in them seats, y'all. Let's go. it all goes into being able to affect things. So if we do that intentionally, it can cause a very intensive shift business-wise for places. Do you but see yeah. a connection in, in your philosophy of the gem and how that applies to your philosophy of a stadium? Hmm. Um, you know what's so funny? This noise right here. You hear that? I don't know if you hear it or not, but there is le- le- legitimately turf on my floor. That's the funniest connection to me. Um, <laughs> like, I mean, it's just, yeah, it's just turf on this floor and the fact that, you know, soccer, turf, things of that nature. But um, it, it, 
the biggest connection that I see with the gym and uh, in St. Louis City SC or soccer or just performance athletes in general is that um, uh, th- th- doing this, being mastermind, especially being mastermind on stage and things of that nature, it's, 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 it's a sport. Um, I, I, I am a performance artist. I train, I practice, I get my, uh, the, 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 my routines together. I, you know, I, I prepare for these moments. I prepare for match day, you know what I mean? And it, it just so happens to be that my opponent is more of like the, the contingencies of what can happen, right? It's like, okay, this time it's a bigger crowd and I have to reach them with this type of energy in order for um, my goal to happen for individuals to be able to, I don't know. So in, in hindsight, for me, I, I, I find the synonymous of, of, of things uh, because it's there, but then also like I kind of just create them to exist and be like, okay, well, this is my story of that. And this is my story of how the gym ties in. Bringing us back, yeah, I've, I've completely gone off of my traditional like, <laughs> three-part three question structure because this is what happens when Matt's not around to keep me on a track. But I, I love, and what I'm working through ultimately, right, in these conversations is I'm, I'm, I'm exploring more about you and I'm learning more about you and the, and the, and the things that, that together as a whole make this human being with whom I'm having this conversation. And the two that I, I love the most, of course, are, are how you introduced yourself as, as husband and father. Yeah. So I have a lot of interest as, as creative professionals, as human beings, as living citizens, you know, not only for the things that we try to create and put our hearts and our minds into, but also the other part of it, which we equally put our hearts and our minds into. So throughout all of this, throughout the gem, throughout these amazing opportunities that are coming and, and, and presenting themselves to you, how... How's fatherhood going? What are what are the things that you've been <laughs> learning? What are the things you have been seeing and and that, that COVID has gifted you with some some philosophies on? Um, talk to me about fatherhood. I'm I'm obsessed with trying to be a better dad. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Um, it, it, the wildest thing is that I honestly have no idea where to start. Right? Yeah. And in hindsight, it's like, man, this little dude. It's about to be four years old. Where has time flown? I almost would have no idea until he speaks, until he does things that's just like, what in the world? It's, it's, it's mind-blowing, but in the same sentence, it, it, it also like grounds me on the realms of time. Like As much as I'm saying, like, oh man, time be flying, like... When I zero, just when I realize what he is doing and he shows me, it shows me where time has gone and it shows me how much time that has existed um, that may have been compartmentalized, but it's sometimes compartmentalized into one singular statement or a response and it just hits and it's like, wow, this dude is grown and we have been spinning so much time with one another that we are molding and shaping this 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 thing. Sometimes so, sometimes it, it it might be a feel of lack of, right? Like no matter what I feel like, especially as creators, we're very um what is the word, man? We're 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 very like 
conscious of the thing that we created and also like improving on how we go about it and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like sometimes then, then, then it's like I'm, I might be overtly in my head that much about like, oh man, but the time that I'm able to spend and he just said X, Y, and Z and, and he, he's like, yo, pop, like, you know, uh, you, you're going to work again? Why? How about you stay here with me? You know what I mean? It's like, oh, like, <laughs> it's, it is, it is such a world. It is such a world. And um, no matter what, I get reminded with the clarity that I'm doing an amazing job from him. Mm. And uh, you never really know how much it means to hear slash feel that, right? I think burnout culture is over. I think that the the, the culture of grind until you're nothing yeah. that has permeated the last 30 years of our culture and our society, like that's no longer in vogue. And I I respect a lot about you, um, how you respect your own time. It's something that has helped me in the last two years look at my own time differently. And that's something that even uh, Cammy and I were talking about with you, about you, about uh, to one another, about how... I think that you have done a really good job in coordinating off your time, at least the pieces of me that I see yeah. that we get to interact on. Yeah. And I, as you talk about seeing, you know, obviously we're older, so time, time is really like it happens until we have a moment. But you describe it perfectly. It's the small moments through through your child where you're reminded that time has passed, mm-hmm. and and it sounds like you find value, and you're reminded that the time isn't poorly spent because of I, reminders that you're doing, you're doing a good job. Yeah. You're, you're seeing things. Mm-hmm. So how, how do you uh, try to balance out family with work? What's, what's your philosophy these days? So uh, 10 years ago, I traded in my nine to five for a 24 seven. I saw that joke online somewhere and I was like, Oh my goodness, this is terrifyingly stabbing me in my back. Um, and uh, recently, honestly, it, it was, I've always been trying to like create a stronger schedule and me and my wife are both entrepreneurs. So especially like after the surprise of our son and things of that nature and both being entrepreneurs, it was like, it was a, it was a fight for the calendar. It's like whoever's scheduling first, like it's, it's yours, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> and Slowly but surely, uh, we, all, we, we realized that that world just did not work, nor did it work for Moon, nor did it work for ourselves. And, and, and we had to create a calendar world. Um, but still, no matter what, as entrepreneurs, that calendar world can break. As entrepreneurs and parents, that calendar world can break the second that, oh, wait, he's sick. Oh, wait, I'm sick. You're sick. We're all sick. Um, anything, right? You know what I mean? So being able to be flexible. But recently, like for me as an entrepreneur, it took a moment for me to learn how to properly value my time um, and so that I can change my pricing, change how I communicate, change my deliverables, change every little piece so that my schedule technically is never changed from any other inconsistencies beside the randomosity of having a family, but then also making sure that I have pre-carved time for 
a what the fuck moment. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yes. just just frankly, it, like like to be honest, life sometimes just is a what the fuck moment. You know, what I mean? <laughs> a very beautiful one. So it's like you, you have to be just no matter what your life is able to hold all of that. It's just all about like how you categorize it and then how you tell other people what this is. And you don't got to tell them every single box. You don't have to tell them every single thing, but at least it allows you to stay within yours. So in long hindsight, I've been scheduling myself to work a nine to five now, um, like technically, you know what I mean? So it's like I get up at X, Y, and Z time. I need to clock in at work. At whatever I'm going to do, whether I'm going to be at the gym, whether I'm going to be downtown, whether I'm going to be at another co-working space, I need to sit down, go over what I am doing and begin to and make sure that I clock out at five o'clock, sometimes six o'clock. Depending on how I overload my plate and how I respect that personally, then sometimes I break it. And when I break it, it doesn't give me the freedom that I thought that was easily accessible. So, in hindsight, what I've been doing lately is just reminding myself of like, yo, all you got to do is, like, you're an entrepreneur. You can script out your life as magical, as insanely fun, as brilliant as you want it to be. If you want to go take a lunch break at Cahokia Mounds and go, you can go do anything. If you want to go take a quick lunch break if you want to go shut down the day to go play with your son, and that, you can technically do whatever as long as you just manage. I, I, honestly, you can do whatever as long as you state that this is what I am currently valuing my time at. And then everything else around it, you can allow it to reflect such. That, that's Teach. how I think of it and how I am thinking of it as I am evolving into that world in permanence. I, that that's it sticks with me, and obviously, you know, Dane, the quiet voice that lives in the ether. Like we all, we all three live in a world where we have we have structured needs, we have deliverables, we have whatever it is that needs to happen. But as I get older, I give so many more fucks about people's opportunities to do the other things than I even do the things that they're trying to deliver. That isn't to say I don't care about the deliveries and the things we're all creating and making and doing. But I, I, I for years have cared more about. What's going on the table of of the people with whom I work for dinner? What are they doing when it's not the project? And what are we doing that contributes to developing what's not the project? We all need projects. But I I just, you know, I guess I was raised, I, I love my my father and my stepfather. They were great fathers in their own rights, different kinds of dads. But I I watched each of them just work. And now as a 37-year-old, I, I wonder for each of them, like, what matters to you? And I, they have things that matter to them, but what are their passions and what are their interests outside of just working? And I realize there's a generational gap too, where, you know, it's the old clock into the factory. Here we are. We work until our, our, our hands are tired and we go home and do it again tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Our world's a little bit different than that, you know? Um, you kind of have to go hunt your own sometimes. Uh, Yet we treat it sometimes like it is like one of those punch in things. And when in reality, I know for me, like lately I've been, ta- I've been talking to people and like I'll talk to my wife. I'm like, in reality, I got the easiest, I got the easiest job in the world, right? Like, I mean, 
I have the validity to state that because it is the easiest job in the world for me because I am being me and I have to just make concrete decisions. But it's like, for someone like me, I literally, it's like some days it makes me want to like really zero in on how much actual work do I do? I make decisions and I create ideas and I bring people together. Outside of that, there is either the hesitance or the uncertainty or the stalling or the over analytical research that I don't need to do to do those things. Like it's just, for, at least for me, and I feel like if this could be the result for a lot of people, it's like it doesn't end up taking. I know, I know what you're trying to say, I think. Mm-hmm. And it sounds scary to say because it seems almost like we're saying that the creative process is easy and the rest of it isn't. <laughs> but I, I believe that for individuals like us who have climbed up such ladder and who have spent X, Y, and Z time harnessing, I don't know about you, but I, from what I see, it seems that like your creative ideas and things that you bring to life, it's just one flow state away from whatever that you end up bringing to life. You know what I'm saying? Like one centered, like, yeah. bam, okay, this idea is coming in. Let me pass this to Dane and let me go pass this to Cohen and let me go. The actual like flow state process, it has a shorter, for me, it has a shorter duration of the actual ideation. I spend mm-hmm. a lot of time, like what in result will be second guessing, but what I would feel like is like preparing it to be ready. Just to result on being like, oh, well, that's what I said when I first started three hours later. You know what I mean? It's like, okay. Yeah, it's the gut check syndrome where mm-hmm. your, your, gut, your gut knows. I mean, I'm staring on, on one of my monitors is open a, a spreadsheet from, from yesterday. And this spreadsheet is, is 28 shots for a commercial. It's not unfinished because it's so hard for me to finish it. It's unfinished because... I haven't built enough of a corral around my flow state, my, my, my ideation process yes. to finish it. Mm-hmm. And that's the struggle with, with the entrepreneur creative is you get lost doing the accounting, you get lost doing the scheduling, and you start to look at how do you develop people around you to help de-labor your needs. But at the end of the day, for me, for me as, a, as, a, as a director and as a, as a, as a creative, like I'm still my biggest problem. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because I'm in my own way, <laughs> absolute, and I struggle with that. And I, I, I think that's you know my goal with this whole podcast is is to have conversations, really, for the sake of having them. And and that's what I like about these is is I get scheduled opportunities to cordon off time to talk to you, to talk to other friends, and and really for no other expressive purpose than just. Talking about life because these are these are interesting conversations. I know a lot of other people struggle with balancing with everything. Struggle with trying to balance out all of the pieces. And when you're starting, the hard part is how do I get? How do I stay in this? How do I get to do this as a job? And after a while, you realize the hard part is how do you balance out having a life and being a whole person while still trying to do it? Yes, indeed. That's the magic. That's that's the magic and. 
I want to say depending on who you are, but you have the ability to live a life to where that if all you really do is just center in and focus on you, what you stand for, what you do, how you do it, who you do it with, and whatever. If you if you just centerly focus on that and just improve that, then it's going to make every other hat you wear look way better. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, you can always wear it as long as the actual person in the face is, like, in it. You know what I mean? And at times, I feel like we will really focus on, like, how can I add an extra feather to this hat? How can I put a bow? And it's like, bro, just, like... It just, just, just tend to tend to who's actually wearing the damn hat, um, and you're good. Cause for me, like just for an example, like I, like when I like I, I'm self-employed, and when I said like I left being, I left my nine to five back in the day. Every day I used to go to work late. I would pull up to work, listen to my music in the car. Give myself like one minute to go run across the parking lot of Ava's rental car, tripping over my untied shoes just to go punch in the clock and sometimes be late. And I presumed that once I was an entrepreneur that I would just never do that. And I still do that to this day, just based off of the fact that like in reality, it didn't... I switched hats from being an employee to now being a boss, but I'm still the same person in retrospect. You know what I'm saying? So it's like a lot of reshaping and just like center in on, just center in on you, 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 you. It's the key to everything. I think it's important to understand that that's not inherently bad. It's just problematic if you have to be on time. Yes. <laughs> I think that we beat ourselves up so often for our own personal interests or habits or rituals. And the truth is you can reshape your life to a degree to make your rituals fit the job or the activity that you're doing. Mm-hmm. It's hard. Easier. Yeah. You it can know, become much more easy. <laughs> if, if that's what you want. You know what I'm saying? But if, if you value being able to sit in your car, this for me, if you value being able to sit in your car right beforehand and still semi show up on it or whatever, maybe then that's what you value at that point in time in your stage in your life until something motivates you to be like, no. I think that's beautiful. I want to I want to bring us to a close there. And before we go yeah. into our final beat of the piece, I, I want to ask you: Is there anything coming up? Is there anything you'd like to highlight that we can we can link out any any anything you want to talk about that we can drop a link to in the uh, <laughs> in the in the post for the podcast? Man, I really need to. Right? I don't know why. Lately, I have crazy enough. I have not been in like the. Uh, the promo stage lately, like at the tip of my tongue, it's been so interesting. Um, but in hindsight, especially for this podcast and its appropriateness, um, um, I, I feel like there, there's going to be a lot of people in the production world who are watching this and the City Flavor um, web series that just dropped with St. Louis City SC, it is quite the body of work um, it's on amazing. so many different levels. Um like for a moment for this to be a shameless plug moment it's like yes I did the title track and I did the score and I was a part of it in X, Y, and Z um, awesome uh, in, in hindsight this mug is just put together incredibly well and feel free to take a chance to scroll through the credits and see all of the different people who brought this thing to life 
And just know that there are communities and there are places for you to find your place and space to contribute to beautiful visions. That's that. That's what I want to shamelessly plug. I am Mastermind. I make music. You can go check it out and go do all that awesome jazz. But uh, just a little something for yourself. We'll drop a link to the episodes and uh, other relevant things into this post when I figure out how I'm going to present these posts finally to date, <laughs> to date my presence. Uh, and so in closing, I ask for you to describe for us the, the, sound, the sound of a perfect moment to you. What does it sound like? Uh, eyes closed, walk me through a moment in time and describe what you hear. This perfect moment is... It's peace. It's a, it's a bit of silence sprinkled there with laughter from my child and the hums of my wife. And it's the absence of a phone vibrating and touching my hand. It's the absence of, a, of the thought of anything else besides this world. That, for me, is everything because... I just love to be able to fully engulf myself in a world that I created with others. So that is the perfect day. And um, looks like I can go have that perfect day today. Aha! You know, the challenge is now we're going to have to ask you for a sample of laughter and humming so we can <laughs> properly mix this piece. Okay, cool. <laughs> Muhammad, Mastermind Austin, thank you for your time and for your friendship and for your your uh, thoughts and all of this. I appreciate you. Absolutely, man. I mean, before we go, I really want to give a really big thank you. For me, these are my default conversations. I did, this is my communicative language, just spiritual conversations about life. So, um, I don't know. Uh, this is on my calendar. And it's not clocked in as work. It's clocked in as rest. So thank you. Like, I, I, I feel this. Thank you. Adding some hours to my day. I appreciate that. That's the recognition that I like. Because that's the same for me. This isn't work. <laughs> and shout out to work. You know what I'm saying? We like work, too. We do. Well, thanks, Internet. That's, that's how I end them. No, 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 no.